and watches over. Well, I'm so glad we have God's word. Boy, in the days that we live in, what would we do without God's holy word? His, his, his final, it is his truth, it is the foundation to uh, our faith. He has given us his word so that we might understand who Jesus is. And by understanding who Jesus is, we understand that we need him. And that he is, he is who he said he is. He is who he said he was. He was the word in the beginning. We're going to be in the book of First Peter. If you have a Bible, you want to turn there. That's great. And I uh, just invite you to open your hearts to this portion of God's word. It's really a, a great portion of God's word that has to deal with some of the challenges that I think that you and I are facing even in these days that we live. Um, Jesus made it clear to his disciples that because of him that there would be persecution. He made it clear to his disciples that there would be people that would rise up and not receive the message. But he also made it clear, don't quit. In spite, in spite of what people may say, just keep going. He sort of, sort of said to them one time, if they don't receive your message, just shake the dust off your feet. Don't let it get to you. Don't take it personally. And I want to just talk a little bit about in the days that we're living, we're seeing a lot of division in our land, in our country. And I want to touch, sort of touch base from God's word. There was, there's always been a battle. There's always been a battle because of uh, Jesus coming. He said he comes to destroy the works of the devil. Do you remember that? Comes to destroy the works of the enemy. See, the devil has been up to no good for a long time. We know that. Early in the Garden of Eden, it all started, as we know, as recorded in the book of Genesis. And it's because of the enemy that come, and he tempted Adam and Eve, and they did fall, and they fell hard. And it caused the whole rift, the whole wave, because of their fall. Now we all have a sin problem. We all have a sin problem, a sin nature. But the good news is that Jesus Christ come, came to heal us, came to restore us, came to redeem us, save us. We couldn't save ourselves. And so Peter, uh, looking at his portion of, of, of the written word of God, Peter was one of those guys that, you know, he, he got out of the boat when Jesus asked him, and he actually walked on the water for a while. He was the kind of guy that was bold, so to speak. And, but he had moments of weakness. Remember Peter, when he followed Jesus all the way into the garden, and, uh, you know, it was Peter that took, you know, took the ear off of, of Malchus, right? It was Peter that was trying to, in his own strength, Help out the Lord. You know, Jesus, put that away, Peter. Don't do that. And Jesus healed Moses' ear. But uh, Peter, as you know, was, was aiming for that guy's head. You know that, don't you? You know that. He just happened, Moses just happened to, you know, lay it over, and that's, that's exactly what happened. But Jesus was trying to uh, bestow into these guys that there's a better way to fight this battle. 
and it is through the power of God Almighty, the power of the Holy Spirit that powers you and I. And see, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Being, I can't fight this battle, this spiritual battle in my flesh. I can't, I can't stand up to it. I, it's overwhelming to me. I will only fail. But through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, who enables you and I to be able to stand, Peter definitely was a different man when he stood up after being filled with the Holy Spirit after the day of Pentecost, and he stood in the book of Acts, and he proclaimed the things of God to the people. And then he upset the folks. He got some things rolling. And so he basically told them what truth, the truth was. And he went on from there. But most of the disciples uh, understood that they were going to follow Jesus, and Jesus was calling them to lay down their lives for his sake. And most of them, as we know, uh, did die a martyr's death for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when we get to the last book of First Peter chapter 4, I'm wondering if Peter, I'm going to read just a verse or two to get us kicked off here, but I'm wondering if Peter is sensing at the end, as he says, the end of all things is at hand. This is verse 7 of chapter 4. First Peter, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. How many know that life is a, begin, uh, is a series of beginnings and ends? Right? You have your kids for a while, you're young, they're young, they grow up, and then they move out. It's a, it's a season. How many remember when you could run and jump off high, high heights and swing from trees? And, you know? It was a season. It's a great season. Life has a way of winding down, or sometimes even winding up, to where you, th you thought things were crazy back then, they're even crazier now. And it's almost like the times that we're living right now, we're seeing things unbelievably, unbelievably, things that we never thought would happen probably in our lifetime. There was also a battle in the early church that was impelling them, compelling them to keep on. You don't read, they said, well, it's too hard. Let's just take a vacation and break. You know, let's just walk away from it. But rather, it was something that rose up within the disciples. There was something that, like a fight that rose up in, within them. That they had a power that came from God above, the Holy Spirit. And Peter is writing, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be of sound judgment. Sound judgment. I believe God can give us sound judgment, amen? That we can see things in the spirit realm. We see things through his word. We see things, what really is going on. And we are called to live in that place 
that we are not our, we are not leaning on the arm of flesh. We are not looking to man to fix problems. But we're looking to Jesus who fixes man's problems. Because man has a problem. And it's called a heart condition. You know that. And the heart condition is this. Me, me, me. What's in it for me? And what did Proverbs mean? Watch over your heart from all, with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Any one of us could get caught up, can get caught up without guarding our heart and letting our guard down and get sucked into a system or get sucked into something that we wish we never would have been involved with. God is good to us. He's giving you, he's giving you wisdom. He is wisdom. What do you mean sober spirit? Well, the Bible does say don't get drunk with wine. It, it does say that. Also, he said, Paul's letter in 1 Thessalonians said something this those who get drunk, get drunk at night, but you, don't be like that. Be sober. You want to keep your faculties, keep your mind. Keep sober. Keep alert. What is Paul was referring, and I'm, you know, I'm skipping it back, 1 Thessalonians. He was dealing with end times. He was dealing with this, this season that's coming fact to the matter is it's going to overtake many people like a thief in the night and God begins to pour out his judgment and he will that's in time Chapter, I'm skipping over 1 Thessalonians 5. Sorry, I didn't get this in the script. It came to me earlier, you know, just lately, later on. Jesus said something like this, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the coming of the Son of Man. And he said, what he meant was, they weren't paying attention to God. They were living for self. They were only seeing things for themselves. They were not listening. They didn't want to listen to that Noah preacher, that guy that was crazy out there in the wilderness building an ark. He's been at this a long time. What is he talking about rain? We've never seen rain. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. And so... Paul writes to the Thessalonians because they had questions about what happens if you die before the Lord comes. And Paul answered that question, don't be ignorant, you know, be, don't be unformed. He said that in verse 13 of chapter 4. He says, brethren, we do not want you to be uninformed. 
about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Whoa! Notice the word sleep, because for people who die in Christ, they're just sleeping, waiting the resurrection. Paul said, if I die, my spirit goes to be with Jesus. So then we skip down to chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. This is all prelude to get back to 1 Peter. As to the times of the epoch, epoch has to do with seasons. Brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know that full well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, wait a minute. He clar clarifies. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like birth pangs upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. I want you to get that. You, brethren, people of faith, are not in darkness. That the day, the day, what is the day? It's the beginning of God beginning to pour out his wrath. Beginning of the end. That this day should not overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. What he's referring to, let's not be going through life asleep. Not being in, in relationship with God Almighty. Just living for self. That's a dead end road. That's a road without there's, there's no way to be fulfilled outside of a relationship with God. No matter how much stuff you own, no matter how many people, friends you have, there will always be a void without Jesus Christ living in you. And that's our problem with our world. That's our challenge by the Lord himself when he said, I'm going to go, but you guys are going to go out into all the nations and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Making disciples takes our time. It takes a lifestyle. It takes a lifetime many times for people to see what is consistent. And I said to a friend yesterday, I'm happy that one of the best things that we can give our children is an example to live for Christ. Just a consistent lifestyle, living for Christ. Because the day will come when they have to answer. They have to make a decision. And they will not get in because of your faith. They will get in because of their faith in Christ. Because of Jesus living in them. And so that's our passion. That should be the heartbeat of the church, is to reach out to people who are struggling in this life 
to, to figure out life, to figure out what's right, what's wrong, what's so bad about that, what's so bad about this. And all the way back to 1 Peter, he says the end of all things is at hand. 1 Peter 4, 7. So therefore be of sound judgment. In other words, you and I have been given the wisdom of God to make right kinds of judgment, to discern good and evil, to be able to discern what is right and wrong. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. There's a key here that I want us to see. This is, this is very huge to me. Because what he's referring to, I believe, is that, he's, that God's love helps you love the sinner. He helps you love people who have yet to come to him. He helps you love and see past their faults and say there's potential. Love covers a multitude of sins. People can even wrong us. People can even wrong us. And the love of God can heal our hearts so it doesn't affect us. So it doesn't bring bitterness. So it doesn't begin to infest and set in and begin become, we become critical. We become down on the church or down on faith. Love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, the love of God helps you deal with life. The love of God helps you work with things that aren't perfect. The love of God enables you to see past emptiness, to see past darkness, to see that one day, I had a chat with my oldest brother the other day. And uh, I had six boys, just six boys and one girl in our, in, in our family. And the oldest was, he was, you know, I think he was more outspoken than most of us. And he, so he told me this little story about mom. There was some kind of a conflict that was going on in the, in the bedrooms upstairs. I remember a hole in the side of the, of the wall like this, and I often wondered what happened here. And the story was that one of the brothers pushed another brother. You know what I mean? You really had any squats, little, just little spats, wrestling matches, a little bit of fist involved. And the oldest was trying to explain his way. And mom said, your day will come. That's what she said. That's what, that's what my brother told me. My, she said, my, and you know what? He understood what she's talking about later in life. She, he, bec you know, boy, when you're young, you just seem like you got it all figured out. Nothing's big. But what is it about being seasoned? What should that look like for one who walked with God a long time? 
In fact, that seasoning only can come by the trial. The flavor is only brought out under heat. In fact, Peter's letter in the first chapter said, don't be, don't be surprised. And he said that actually in the fourth, but in the first chapter, he goes, uh, I just want to, he says, in this you greatly rejoice, verse six of chapter one, though now for a little while if necessary. Oh, oh my, that sounds good. Those trials are only for a little while, but they seem like eternity when you're going through them. They seem endless. And he writes this, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, when we see Jesus, all the trial will not matter. It will be worth it all. Though you have not seen him, you love him. This is what Peter is saying. We walk by faith Paul said, and not by sight. Though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining his outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. When he's summing up, he's summing up by the, by the fourth and the fifth chapter, he's beginning to sum up. Therefore, encourage you to just read first Peter maybe take some time this week and get more of a handle on it therefore therefore no matter what you've gone through therefore we are to be sound of spirit sober of sound judgment sober spirited for purpose of prayer and I've said this to myself yesterday I will only be as strong in the Lord as my prayer life is. I said that to myself. I think the Lord was, you will only be as strong in me as you spend time with me. You're only as strong in the Lord when you spend time with me. I cannot take the place of preparation for a message that cannot take the place of preparing my own heart just to walk with him. I'm called to him. You and I are called to him first. You're called to know him. And I tell you, when we keep that squared up, the rest of it, we're able to have sound judgment. Sometimes we need to say no to things so that we can keep our prayer life. In better shape, or to keep our family life more balanced. Because there's a whole lot of things that want to steal your faith. They want to get you down. The enemy wants to discourage you and I, if he can. Wants to. One of the ways he gets to us, he gets us so busy that we stop praying. 
Yeah? Sometimes it's a battle to get ourselves in a place to pray. But all is worth it. And I found if I could just, I don't have to do all the talking. But I can get five minutes in and I'm, I'm done. You know, I need to listen. Wait on him. Soak in his presence. Be filled. Be filled. Be ye filled. It's an ongoing process. Yesterday, oil was good for then. But I need fresh oil today. I need to fill my vessel fresh and anew every day. Because I don't have it in me and myself to love as I should. He says, love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't it interesting how first in that little book, First John, says, pray in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God. Wow. That's a great verse. Keep yourself in the love of God. Everything that we do must be submerged coming from the heart of God. We sing this little chord, break my heart for what breaks yours. I think wisdom is this, seeing things the way God sees them. Having God's perspective, wisdom that comes from above. Wisdom to be able to stand and stay strong, to love people, to see maybe someone's making your life hard. Maybe their circumstances are making your life hard. What is the real issue? That there are many people that are held captive by the enemy. They're held captive to do the work of Satan. But Jesus said, I come to destroy the works of the devil. And we are not to be ashamed of the gospel, are we? We don't have to be ashamed to declare truth. And we don't have to be mean to declare truth. Isn't that a good thing? We see love. I would grant it if God would break us at times and with tears streaming down our face and talk to people as if the love of God, as if God was there and he is. And just, you care about the person. You care about the relationship. And you're saying love covers a multitude of sins. I'm looking past the faults. I have enough of my own. And I see with the help of God, anyone can come to Christ. Anyone's, no one's too far gone, too far over the edge that they cannot be saved. They choose to walk away from God. God doesn't force himself. God awaits for that opportune, see each one of us. Some of us, are, some of you are really good at encouraging people. What does it say? And each one has received a special gift. Employed and serving one another, good stewards of the manifold grace. Whoever speaks, let him speak the word that utters as a God. Whoever serves, he's giving examples. 
He's giving examples of people in the body of Christ who have gifts that God has given to them. All these things. He lists a few. Let him do as by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified. I'm so glad I'm not in this alone. Amen? You and your brother and your sisters become the body of Christ. Each of us doing what we can do. Even when it's washing the dishes, a mundane thing as it is, somebody's got to do it, right? But just so happens, my dad would wash the dishes from time to time. When he was older, not so much when he was busy, busy, work, work. But you know, it left a message, it left, a, it left an impact that he's not so manly that he cannot wash the dishes. But he served. Simple little things. Wouldn't it be something if our world would catch on, catch a glimpse? What did Jesus mean? The greatest in my kingdom shall be your servant. What was Jesus saying when he was wiping the dirty, smelly old feet of the disciples? Washing. What was he saying? And it just so happened, Peter, what did he say? Don't wash my feet, Lord. You can't do that. Right? You're, you're too, you're, you're, you're a king. You shouldn't be doing that. So, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part of me. And he goes, oh, wash everything. Wash all of me. You know, it was like, he understood. This serving attitude carries right on into the kingdom of eternity. Because what, what Jesus demonstrated at the cross, that he gave himself while we were yet sinners, love covers a multitude of sins. Now everyone has to make a decision to accept Christ. When he looked upon the crowd that were mocking him, he looked across the faces, he saw their angry countenances, and he looked up to heaven, he says, don't hold this onto their count. They don't know what they're doing. And I would dare say today in our world that we live in and the things that are happening around us, many people don't know what they're doing because they don't have the Christ to illuminate the way. But therefore, let's be in prayer. Let's take these names and hold them up in the name of Jesus. Let's intercede. Why can't we offer names who we know are like our enemies. How can we just take their names and begin to list them before the throne of God? God, you can only change their heart. God, you can only do work. And so we need to be 
the church. This is why we're here. This is why God has saved you and I. Not just that you and I get into heaven, but you bring others with you. You bring people over the threshold through the Christ. And so all this stuff was coming at Peter. He was, he was feeling the pressure. He was feeling all these, these battles going on. And then in verse 12, he goes, Beloved, don't be surprised. And he says, the fiery ordeal. Have you ever felt like you're a fiery ordeal was going on? Something really crazy. And it's just like, what? And you wonder how much more you can take. But he says this. It comes upon you for your testing as though some strange, as this, as this am I the only one? But to the degree, verse 13, that you share the suffering of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice. What is he doing? He's looking past the trial and seeing the treasure. He's looking past the moment, and that's very similar to Hebrews 12, running the race, fixing your eyes on Jesus, who Jesus himself despised the shame. He saw past. He could see people coming into his heaven because of this sacrifice. And then practically, I'm going to skip over to chapter 5 and lay this out and remind you and I again today that there is one way to fight this battle and it is through humility. It is through humility and brokenness. It is through surrender to God. Verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Lately, I've been reading through uh, first, second, just started second Samuel. And it's a story of David. His story, David, King David, before he was a king, he was just a young man. He was a sheep herder. He was, he was a shepherd boy. He learned how to use a sling. He, used, he learned how to protect the sheep. God was preparing him to slay a giant. See, everything that God did to, through him, and it, it, it brought more strength to him to go to the next level. And the good thing about David, but he wasn't perfect, is he kept his heart. It was a time when King Saul wanted to destroy him. It was a time when King Saul tried to spear him down. And he was able to get away. But there was a time when David could have took his, taken his life he just cut an edge of his robe. What's really crazy? David felt bad later. What does that tell about his heart? And he's broken. He's humility. What David kept going back to is the vengeance is the Lord's. God will repay. And if we keep surrendering over to God, God's going to take care of it. So when it comes to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, you're saying, I can't, and you can't, Lord. Here I am as I am. Here I am with my brokenness. Here I am with my, sometimes my anger. Sometimes I'm anxious. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed. But he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
And he realizes, he paints a picture here, that the devil, the adversary, is like a, a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's mad. He's just mad. That's the spirit of Antichrist. To put it bluntly, the devil hates God. And God is saying to people, you don't have to live under his rule. You don't have to live by what Satan says. Do what's good for you. It says be sound, judgment, sober-spirited. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself humble before the Lord. Keep yourself in surrendering. Surrendering is a good thing. A good thing in the presence of God. Surrender before him. I'm going to take that one song that Anna has done when she was here. A little chorus called I Surrender. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to wrap it up with this. And uh, I'm going to just make, make an opportunity just to bring your needs before the Lord. And begin to focus on his power, his grace. His everlasting love, his forgiveness. Think that he would love us. And all that we've done, he continues to reach out to us. He says, I believe in your purpose. You have a purpose for belonging. You have a purpose in your life. Even this season that you're living in, it seems like all things are coming crazy. And Lord, we begin to focus on you. We don't focus on the stump. We don't focus on the winds or the wave, but we focus on Jesus Christ, that, that you are coming, that you're, Lord, coming for us, Jesus. Lord, you said when you see these things beginning to happen, look up for your redemption draw nigh. And Lord, we choose right now, God, just surrender to you, Lord.